Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jen Amos, and I'm really excited because I get to interview another incredible entrepreneur, small business owner. Today, I have with me the founder and CEO of Applied Visions, Frank Zingini. His website is avi.com. Frank, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm really happy to have you. Uh, I like to ask this as an icebreaker question all the time because um, a lot of things have changed, I feel like, uh, in, in, in this time of the recording. And so I thought I'd ask, how are you holding up with a lot of the changes, if you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, a lot of things have changed. It's been a weird year. Uh, mm. How are we holding up? Well, yeah. Let me answer it this way. With all of what everybody else is going through, I have nothing to complain about. Mm. it's you know it's challenging rolling with the punches and keeping up with the changes in the community but i'm yeah. healthy my family healthy is healthy everyone who's close to me is healthy i've still got all my employees my business is hanging in there so i have precisely zero to complain about yeah uh, it doesn't keep me from complaining <laughs> but i really don't have anything to complain about so we're hanging absolutely you know i i uh, saw a quote um online somewhere that said that 2020 was the year where I wanted more, but it turned out it was the year where I appreciated what I had. And I think that's, that's really good philosophy. Yeah. I think that's what uh, 2020 had really taught us is to appreciate our loved ones, to appreciate the blessings we have, having a roof over our head, um, especially for you know, the businesses who continue to thrive. I know my husband and I, we weren't phased too much either by all the change. And so, um, although I think it created this uh, anxiety in me to keep working <laughs> because I knew that there was so many people that were out of work or had lost their businesses. And so I think for me, I became a workaholic as a result. Um, but I think I'd like, I'd like to believe that I've been able to find a balance in all of it and establish a new normal for myself where I can still keep my my sanity. <laughs> Good, yeah. And really, that's all we've got to do. We've got to just keep soldiering on and, and try to stay sane and, because there's always people who need us. Yeah, absolutely. So Frank, for people that are learning about Applied Visions for the first time, mm -hmm. why don't you let us know what is your company about and what do you do? What we do and what we've done for quite a while is for the most part, we build software and device technology-based products and services for other people. Mm. Uh, we're sometimes known as contractors or consultants or whatever, but we are mm. an engineering team for hire. So we help mm. people build and grow their businesses with digital technology. I really like that. I, uh, I actually knew an engineer uh, some years ago where um, he never wanted to get hired by a company. He just wanted to be contracted because he felt like he could do a lot better than people who were actually, you know, getting paid a salary and stuff. Like they had to learn on the job where he had a specific 
skill set that he could offer to them. And he always found that after a while, um, they would let go the engineer they hired on staff and just contract him. And so I imagine yeah. that to have a specialty, you can't you can't hire a specialty full time. And especially if it's project based, I imagine um, it should be contract yeah. work. Well, there's a long answer to that. Uh, there's, there's all different ways that we work with clients and we relate with clients, but generally what you're saying is, is valid. There's things that companies need or want to do mm-hmm. that require a pretty sizable team to do. And one thing about our industry, and it's, it's always been true to some degree, but it's never been more true than it is now that developing technology is a team sport. Mm-hmm. It's not a programmer or a developer or an engineer that you need to make your product or service. You need engineering, of course, but you need design because everything is built around now good user experience design. The world has been taught to expect good Mm. user experience design. So you need designers. We deal with businesses as businesses. We're not sending in programmers to do whatever they tell our programmers to do. That's what some people do, and that's fine. We come at it at a business level where we work with them to understand what their goals are, to define the product they need to build. And when I say product, it could be an internal product, it could be a service, but basically everything that you build is a product to somebody. You're Mm. trying to convince your employees to use your new payroll system. That's Mm. an internal product. To understand what they really want to get out of this, why are they doing this in the first place? We have people who work with them at that level. Sometimes people call them analysts. We happen to call them product specialists. But Mm -hmm. there's this relationship that you have to build with the business to understand why we're doing this in the first place. Mm. And there's the engineers to build it. Then there's the QA team to test it to make sure that it's doing what it's supposed to do before you start trying to use it. And then the, part of that is also the security, making sure that the, the code itself is secure. So it's very much a team sport. If you're a technology business that already has this team for doing your own products and you just need some help, yeah, bringing in a contractor or bringing in a collection of contractors is, I just need seven more C-sharp programmers, fine. That's mm-hmm. one way. Mm-hmm. We deal with customers who have a product that has a technology component, perhaps, or maybe a product that didn't have a digital component before and they want Mm. to add it. They don't necessarily have that kind of team in-house. They don't necessarily need or want to build that kind of team. They -hmm. bring us in, just like if you're going to remodel your house or rebuild your house, there's a certain amount of stuff you can do as a do-it-yourselfer, but if you're going to add a wing onto your house or Mm. another floor, chances are you're going to bring in an architecture firm and a contractor and a team to come in, build the house, do the plumbing, do the electric, put the sheetrock up, paint, decorate. And then when you're done, you wish them well, send them on their way. You know, in our case, we do that sometimes. We shake hands and walk away because we've transferred everything we've done over to their team. And that's great. In other cases, more often with software than with putting another floor in your house, you're never really done, right? You get the first version out. And you've got a list this long of all the things everybody wanted that you couldn't get to. So mm-hmm. then the next version comes. And we've had relationships like that with clients going on 20 to 25 years. Wow. Where we're wow. just constantly providing value. And it's a very good relationship. Other cases, we're in and we're out. So that was a really long answer, I think, to your question. But yes. That was a, that was a great answer. And I appreciate you elaborating on that, especially for our listeners who may not know exactly what it means to you know, provide software and device engineering. Um, I really like the analogy on the house because that gave me a better idea of what that means. Like, like you said, sometimes um, 
Sometimes you're going to need someone, a, a contractor long term. Sometimes you're just going to need them for a small project. Uh, but sometimes, you know, throughout the years, you want to continue improving upon your house, figuratively speaking. And so you're going to continue to go sure. back to that company. And so um, so I really appreciate you uh, sharing that, Frank, because it helps me better understand uh, how your business operates. Yeah, it's a, it's a very apt real world metaphor. In the business world, I often use this similar metaphor in thinking about building a new factory. Mm, you know, mm. if, if, if a manufacturer is talking to us about some digital project mm-hmm. and you know, it could be opening up their business to their suppliers by putting up a web portal so suppliers can deal with them on a digital level instead of on the phone, whatever the conversation is, yeah. the, the, the parallel I try to get them to see is like, if you're designing a new factory, there's things that you go through. There's investments that you're willing to make that you understand because you can see it physically taking shape. Mm-hmm. They have to understand that building a technology platform is very much the same exercise. Mm-hmm. And you're building something of lasting value and you want to build it right and you have to put this thought in. Unfortunately, on industry, people have kind of been trained badly by this sense that, oh, I just need to get a guy. Mm, go up mm-hmm. on the Upwork and I'll find a web developer and he can or she can do whatever I need. That works in a very small slice of applications and that's fine. When you're building something that's critical to your business, when you're building something that's a new product for your customers and that you hope to grow a whole new revenue stream, mm-hmm. that's not something you take lightly. It's not mm-hmm. something you just have someone come in and do. Just like you wouldn't put that floor in your house by getting your Uncle Fred in who's really good with a saw and saying, I want another floor in a house. You can do that, right? You know how to <laughs> hammer nails and cut wood. And he's like, yeah, he does. And I'll just kind of start doing it and you'll never be finished. Yeah. And it's, and it's also kind of the jack of all trades is um, a master of none, you know, trying to get one person to do yeah. the same, like do different things and, you know, be that and, handyman. And, yeah. I won't necessarily agree that they're a master of none. There's plenty of masters of stuff out there mm-hmm. and there's masters of one and masters of maybe two or even three disciplines. Mm-hmm. But again, when you're building something of lasting value to your business or to your, into your product line, you need a master of many. Right, it's a, right. The first team that it takes to build these things. And if you want to go out and hire those eight or 10 people to do it and work full time for you, and then when you're done, keep them busy. Okay, people do yeah. that. And that's great. And we help people do that. Yeah. But that's not always what you need. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there are plenty of what we call lone wolves who are capable of amazing things. And there's no lack of opportunities for those lone wolves to provide value. It's just a, and sometimes we do that. Sometimes people come to us and say, I just need a really good guy to do this, 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 this. And we can do that. And that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but people have to understand there's a line you cross. And that's why I always do these real word metaphors. And people have been comparing software to house building forever because mm-hmm. it's something that, uh, that, that, that customers can resonate with. Even in your own home, and I've been guilty of this in my home because I'm a do-it-yourselfer, <laughs> and I'll be doing something myself until I reach a point where I realize that I am being really dumb here. I need, <laughs> I need to talk to an architect. I need, and there's this levels you go through, right? It's like, yeah, I need to talk to a contractor who knows how to understand these kinds of patio doors because I've never done this before. Okay, yeah. but if I'm going to put another floor in my house. I don't just call the contractor who installed my patio doors. I need to call an architect because yeah. I'm putting off or on the house. I don't want the house to fall down. So there's levels that you go through, little gates that you cross through. And one of the problems we have in my end of the world, in the software, and not so much in the device work, because we actually build hardware. And mm-hmm. people can 
you can grasp that better. In the software world, there's this general sense that because you can't see it, mm-hmm. you can't hold it in your hands, it isn't really real. Mm. And so if I say it's going to take seven people this much time to do the, all these different things to create this software so that you can build your business on it, and someone else tells that same customer, don't listen to Frank. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I can write that thing in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Very easy for a customer and understandable for him to say, well, you seem so confident in saying that. Okay, go ahead. Right. Uh, and you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it's a little harder you know, I can look at a patio door and say, I don't know how to install that. And then I can look at my house and say, I sure as heck don't know how to design another floor in my house. <laughs> I can see those gateways mm-hmm. very easily mm-hmm. in, my mind, in dealing with the physical world. My challenge in talking to customers and your audience is you got to see those same gateways in building digital technology because yeah. they're there. They're just a little harder to see. And that's very important to your entrepreneur audience. And it's sort of interesting. I appreciate being invited onto your show I've been doing this for 30 years. I don't know if I count as an entrepreneur anymore. Mm-hmm. But we work with entrepreneurs all the time. You know, we, we, we deal with startups. We deal with people with big ideas. Very often, we deal with companies looking to grow or we all like to say pivot nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Choose a new direction. That's very entrepreneurial. I don't care if you've been running your business for 45 years. If you come to me and say, we've been thinking about maybe we should like put our business on the web so our suppliers and customers can deal with us that way instead of over the phone like we've done for 45 years. Mm-hmm. That's entrepreneurial thinking. Yeah. Doesn't matter yeah. that you've been doing your business for 45 years. You're thinking about doing something different in mm-hmm. your business. And I, I applaud that, obviously, and encourage it. But to me, that's very entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial doesn't always necessarily mean coming up with a crazy idea in your garage and making a billion dollars. It's, it's getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. It's changing lanes in your in your business and in your life to say, I'm going to try this other thing because I think I know what I'm doing and I think it's the right way to go. And I'm putting some significant stuff at risk. I'm putting my own sense of well-being at risk. I've been right. doing what I do for 45 years. I know what I'm doing. I've got great customers. I'm comfortable. But I kind of realize that I need to do something different. Yeah. And for somebody, it's actually harder than for the classic image we have of an entrepreneur, but somebody with this great idea who goes out and does it. They're already kind of wired that way. Mm-hmm. They're risk takers. You always hear about serial entrepreneurs. They've done it three or four times. Good for them. It's a self-selecting kind of thing. The people who are willing to do that are the people who are kind of comfortable doing that. Whereas if you have a business owner who's been doing what they do for a long time and very successfully, and they're very comfortable but they finally understood that the world has changed around them mm-hmm. and they have to do something different and they have to leave their comfort zone. That's pretty hard. And it's very entrepreneurial. There was a, somebody coined the phrase intrapreneurial years ago. And it's kind mm-hmm. of the same idea. How do you innovate within this framework that you're very comfortable and successful? in? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I appreciate you saying that because, um, you know, I think that, the word entrepreneur can be thrown around in many different directions and defined differently. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, the way that I see entrepreneurship is just like what you said, you step out of your comfort zone for the sake of creating something good for the world. 
You know, you do it because you have a sense of responsibility. And even if you have an established business at this point, um, like you said, if if the trends are changing and you know the the landscape is changing, um, you have to adapt. And it's it's it just goes back to being in that spirit of creating something for the greater good. And so sometimes what you have after a while may be outdated or it needs to evolve, you know, with the current times. So, you know, that's, that's at least how I see entrepreneurship and, and even listening to you, um, you know, how I would probably, how I would define it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah sure. it, it, it's, it's changed on a very massive scale. You know, uh, Frank, you have been in business for a very long time, basically uh, for as long as I've been alive <laughs> since 1987 <laughs> and I'm aging myself. So Thank you have, yeah, so you have to tell me um, what, what has changed for you? Like what, what are the biggest trends you've noticed? And, and I'm sure you could say this for different decades, but what do you feel like yeah. is the biggest thing has, has changed in these, in these decades of you um, being in business? Yeah, that, that's one of those long timeline things. And then in 1993, <laughs> um, but on a grander scale, I think that the, the, the broader scale, the thing that has changed the most is that when I started this, technology or digital technology or however you want to kind of wrap up this, this, this part of the world mm-hmm. was very specialized, very focused, very hard. It only was applied in very specific cases where you could really demonstrate that it was worth the investment. Mm. The, juice was, the juice was worth the squeeze is what everybody mm-hmm. likes to say nowadays mm-hmm. uh, because it was very hard. Now, it's commodity is not the right word, but I can't really grasp, remember the, the right word to express the fact that it's just there to be used. Mm. It is an, it's just like electricity went from being something that in the early days when Tesla and Westinghouse were doing these things, you know, they were fighting to light up neighborhoods mm. and it was this rare thing that you, Oh, you have electricity in your neighborhood. That's amazing. And now it's just something right. you take for granted. Well, technology right. as a category, digital technology is something that just exists to be used. Mm-hmm. How you use it is incredibly freeing mm. because it enables so many things that not that long ago were pipe dreams. Um, mm. So it's, I guess the biggest longer term shift is the way we look at this notion of digital technology, this notion of the internet and the web and mobile and all these things that are at our disposals. And it's not so much, oh my God, it's going to be some big breakthrough if I can have a mobile app for my business. Mm-hmm. It's more like, why doesn't my business have a mobile app yet? Right, right. Um, and, and so that, so now we're just, businesses are looking at digital technology as something that should be a part of what they do. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if your business is making cheese, you're going to have a website, maybe you're going to have a mobile, you know, there's, right. there's this component of your business that really ought to involve the digital domain somehow. So it's this, this big shift in thinking mm-hmm. that now I'm helping people use this thing that they really should be using mm-hmm. to be part of today's world. And if they don't participate in that part of the world, they're going to be left behind. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that's what uh, people said about websites um, even years ago, saying if you don't have a website, then you don't exist. That's the timeline thing. And, you know, probably just step through all that, what the thinking was at each step. 
Mm-hmm. And now it's not any one specific thing. It's not like, oh, you got to have a mobile app. Well, because setting aside things like games and whatever, I don't, we don't think as a business, we don't talk about mobile apps and mm-hmm. web apps and this mm-hmm. app or IoT devices. We don't talk about them as little silos anymore. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. your business is an app. Mm-hmm. And there's several doorways into that app. There's the website doorway, because of course you have a website, right? Now you have the ability for people to, okay, that, and, and a website really means, how do I get to you from my laptop, from my mm-hmm. desktop mm-hmm. computer? But then there's the mobile doorway, because most people now spend half their lives or more doing things on their devices, on their phones or their tablets. Right. So you can't look at that as two separate things when you're thinking about a digital business. They're just two doorways into this big room called your business. Yeah. IOT devices are the same thing. Now, granted, if what you make is cheese, it's a little hard to think about putting digital technology into your cheese and mm-hmm. making an IOT. Obviously, there's some businesses where it doesn't apply, but there's so many other businesses where the notion of adding some level of intelligence to your product, letting your product connect to the internet and phone home to your company could add tremendous value. We had this one customer that makes, they make nail guns, very, you know, heavy industrial commodity, just an air-driven thing that no one would think about an IoT device for that. But they very cleverly thought, you know what? What if our nail guns could take various measurements of things and send it back to our customers' main offices to say, this gun has been fired 650 times this week and you're supposed to oil it Every 500, and I'm making this up, you're mm-hmm. supposed to give it this kind of a maintenance schedule. It's overdue for maintenance. Mm. Or in the other direction. So maybe you're in your, you know, your business. I'm using this as one example of, of kind of what people would consider an old school product that became digital and added a tremendous amount of value. What if in your business, you're using a bunch of these devices and you just know you're supposed to oil them every month. So you send somebody out to oil them every month. What if the nail gun could tell you, don't bother oiling me. Nobody fired me this month. I've been sitting on a shelf. Oh, mm. okay. I don't have to send a tech out there to oil you anymore. I just save $35 because that's what it costs me to roll a truck and have a tech oil and nail gun. And it's mm-hmm. a microcosm. It's an mm-hmm. actual customer, but there's a microcosm of the thinking that says, can my product be part of my overall service? We, we hear about us shifting to a service economy and I've never heard a really good definition of what that means to economists. I think I know what it means. But what I look at is your product Many, many products are pure services, right? A SaaS offering. Oh, it's a product, but it's a service. Fine. But even if you have a physical product, that physical product can participate in par- as part of a customer relationship between you and your customer who bought that product. And now you're providing service on top of that product. You know, everyone knows about Nest thermostats now and all the smart thermostats. So suddenly your thermostat, which was this static device for years and years and years, is now participating in your energy management philosophy of your home or your office or whatever. It's, it's part of your, Nest is now giving you this service of helping you manage your energy use and your home comfort. And there's, there's countless examples of this sort of thing. And it's all part of that thinking I was describing before that now you have to look at your business and your product and say, well, how should this behave in the digital domain? Not yeah. could it behave some way? 
Well, Frank, I, um, you know, for something that sounds so complex to, um, I think, the average person who is not an engineer such as myself, I really appreciate all of the analogies that you shared with us today. You're basically building homes for these businesses or expanding people's homes in the digital age. And so, uh, again, the analogies are really helpful, and I appreciate you taking the time to do that. That's a pleasure. I like talking about this stuff. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> but, you know, before we go, Frank, um, is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about Applied Visions? Oh, God. What would I sum up? Uh, just that we, <laughs> we love building success into other people's businesses. Mm-hmm. It's all about the technology, of course. We like doing all this tech stuff. We, we like, but it's really about that moment where our customers launch their product or launch their service and realize the return on that investment, the value that comes back. We, we helped a, a national fitness chain. We built a whole new mobile app for them mm. and they have millions of users. And we released this thing out into the wild and started gathering some of the feedback and hearing about how successful, how much people liked it. That's where the payoff is for us. People using the things we built to somehow change their business, their lives, whatever. If it's entertainment, hooray, they're enjoying themselves. If it's adding business value, even better. Um, that's, that's the payoff for us, is, is seeing that value realized. Yeah, absolutely. Frank, I think you and your, your dream team over there at Applied Visions really embodies what it means to be an entrepreneur today um, and, and the spirit of entrepreneurship, which is really continuing to step out of your comfort zone to create um, more good in this world. So with that said, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here today. Uh, for me as well, I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope we get to do this again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, And with that said to our listeners, once again, this is Frank Zingini. He is the founder and CEO of Applied Visions. You can learn more about him and his company at avi.com. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com dot com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement.